Man, go get me a drink. <clears throat> hey, had the quick draw here tell about Cherokee Bill. Man, I hear you so fast that your opponents ain't got time to draw before you put two in their back. No, that ain't me. No, I'm the Cherokee Bill that shoots men in the mouth that talk too much. I'll make it easy for you then. You draw first. Yeah, what you think this is? Who the quickest draw on the West type thing? All comes down to who fast and who ain't, right? Oh, it all comes down to who's alive and who's dead. Truly, I'm gonna give me something to drink. Good night. Hey, hey, drink my ass, man. I practiced that standoff all night. Jim. Hey, you're not just about to walk away from all disrespect with no, no, wait, wait. Get out of here, Jim. It ain't the time. say right now just to be on topic i was not expecting to like buck and the preacher as much as i did <laughs> because of some owning <laughs> no it's i don't know shit. i mean i don't know i think like the first couple minutes just because of the week we've had you know we had our own kind of personal shit over here and then um you know friday was like uh america did a racism again and uh yeah it was just like that opening scene you know uh deshay and them you know jumping black folks i was like eh. but yeah yeah it was fine i liked it fine westerns are not really my bag are you saying you're not bought into the yeehaw agenda cat uh, despite being a hangman adam page stan yeah you poser you city slicker like yeah okay but also like maybe so is he though so it's fine um also he's hot so shut up i mean the the wild west sucked let's be honest (laughs) well you mean the will smith movie or wow wow take it all take it all it also that's what we should have reviewed wow wow west no no not no hell no wow wow west could we we could review the song i mean it's it's Kumo D and Cisco. Like, I'm not paying attention to Will Smith in that other song, but you know the funny thing is? So I've met I was telling Kat earlier that I watched like a shitload of, of Will Smith movies this weekend. <laughs> and and I did it under the auspices of having the question, is Will Smith a good actor? Because I watched King Richard fucking seven pounds, which is a terrible fucking movie. But then I watch Focus, which is actually a really fucking fun movie. And it's so funny because, like, I think the the careers of Will Smith 
and Sidney Poitier kind of mirror each other. Mm. And, the, and the fact that, like, these are these kind of budding leading men of their time, and they have this kind of massive popularity. But even though they have a level of, like, attractiveness to themselves, Hollywood has definitely limited that. Mm-hmm. And Sidney Poitier, even him being, like, the black, like, the biggest, like, black movie star of his time, like he never got laid in his movies, and, neither, and barely mm. Will Smith barely did too. Like I was thinking of because I told you guys like in the chat, like Will Smith for all of his movies he's been in, he's only been laid like four times in all four these five. movies, uh, and probably three of them was in Ali. He does get laid in Wild Wild West. They fuck in the grain. Mm. <laughs> Fucking the grain. Fuck the grain. <laughs> that's that's a song I'm gonna make. Fucking the grain. Sowing them the, wild oats. The grain. As it ah, not a waka waka. <laughs> I don't know why I know this. I have not seen Wild Wild West. I saw the first 12 minutes of Wild Wild West on an airplane one time. I, uh, I took my brother to see Wild Wild West. We were visiting Connecticut and it was the first time I had been complimented by a gay man. And um, it, it was, you know, some I, people remember Wild Wild West for the giant mechanical spider and musical numbers. Eric remembers it as the first time he got cruised. Nice. Well, also, he, well, here's the thing, because, and you know, this is off. You were the thing. Sorry. But no, he just said I, he just thought I was attractive. He thought I, he said he said he thought I was handsome. And then, you know, it was like, hang on. This isn't the end of the world. A gay man says that he finds me attractive and it didn't make me gay. I learned that lesson as a teenager and was like, huh? Okay. Yes. So, wow. Wow, guys. So, yeah, th- let that be a lesson, guys, that that, that if a, a gay man compliments you, it doesn't it doesn't mean rape. It's not the same thing. I'm here to tell you, it's not the same thing. Guys. Thank you for clarifying what gay panic isn't. Some people actually do need that lesson like (laughs) unfortunately probably yes yes yeah i'm dead ass so bucking the preacher here we go (laughs) yeah hilarious i'll admit also i'm not necessarily a western kind of guy which is kind of funny because i grew up basically like on 90s action Mm -hmm. um but there's a lot of westerns i just like have not watched so uh, my Western palette is like super limited. I probably would have the most Western experience with six Westerns, just about if I had to had to put um, them together. I watch like Unforgiven, Tombstone, Unforgiven, Maverick, Tombstone. Posse, yep. um, Quick and the Dead, Quick and the Dead. Does the episode of the Fairly Odd Parents where they go to the Wild West count? 100%. Uh, okay, great. A documentary. Then, I've got, then I've got one. That's a documentary. Oh, I can close my eyes and watch Tombstone whenever I want. I should probably see that since Kurt Russell and Val Kilmer are both in it, and I both think they are the knees of the bees. Oh, that, that's Val Kilmer's movie. It's Apex Val Kilmer. Yeah. He's never been better in any other movie. No. Why? Just in time. Pull up a chair. Doc, been hitting awful hard, haven't you? Nonsense. I've not yet begun to defile myself. I was wondering if maybe you wouldn't want to go on over to that 
I will not be appalled at. Thank you very much. That's right. That can go on day and night and then some. That's my loving man. Have another one, my loving man. Come here. Hey, loving man, you've been called. Oops. What is that now? The 12 hands in a row holiday? Son of a bitch, nobody's that lucky. Why, Ike, whatever do you mean? Take it easy, boys. Maybe poker's just not your game, Ike. I know. Let's have a spelling contest. How about if I just ring your scurry down? <laughs> Ike. In some godforsaken family photo album somewhere, there is a picture of me in Tombstone. Like the, the city? Arizona? Yes, yeah, it yeah, exists. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I know it exists, but did you guys like visit like the, the set where they shot the movie or something? They shot the set in the town. Oh, yeah. Up until that point, nobody had even like attempted the Doc Holiday accent. Uh, growing up on the river of the Chattahoochee. It's and, uh, a weird one. It is. It's a very weird kind of southern gentlemanly educated. It's also weird drunkard. hearing people from like rural Arizona try to do it while getting paid minimum wage and having to do this show oh, 17 man. times. Because he's a day. not even from Arizona. So it's kind of tough. Yeah. yeah. It was it was very weird. Uh, I very specifically remember being in the saloon and my parents being like, "Was this a mistake?" <laughs> and and me being like, Probably. "I am ten. I don't know. I knew women had legs before now. If that helps." Really? <laughs> yes. Hilarious. Came up pretty early in my formation. Sweet. One of the things that I read, and this was just a weird throwaway line that I read about Buck and the Preacher on like Wikipedia, is that it said like it was praised for its like fair and honorable treatment of black pioneers and native folk. Mm-hmm. Sydney Potier also directed this. Oh, I didn't know that. The native folks were also victims of the Civil War, and there is respect for that. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. a, a ton of respect just because when they approached the natives i was just like oh boy i i got very ready to cringe mm-hmm. and was pleasantly surprised by like the native language being spoken the just the treatment and just the respect paid to you know mm-hmm. the actual i was fully expecting a how and an ugum and a, <laughs> yes. all kinds of fucked up fuckery and was just so relieved that it did not happen when they pulled up wearing like regular clothes i was like surprised yeah which is historically accurate right by the way yeah, yeah. it's what they would just wear just t-shirts and shit by that point in history they were wearing a mix of like regular quote-unquote yeah. clothes not to mention they had to change the way they dressed in that we saw in the pictures because they moved out wet. They wore moved 
yes. out west. So it's like, yeah, it's hot as hell out here and dry. So now we have to dress like we're not in the forest. So yeah, that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm looking at some old kind of Western titles. And I think I actually I may have you I I I have I have like suppressed all my Western memories. Uh, so I guess technically Django Tekken qualifies, yeah, Revenant Tekken qualifies, First Cow Tekken qualifies. I am still sitting pretty at that fairly odd parents episode. Sorry about it. You you saw Buck and the Preacher. So I did. That, so we're talking about oh, this. So it's fine. Yeah. I did do the homework for this episode. Nice. Don't worry. Coming in Studious. hot. <laughs> I, I I just want to say like the first thing that popped off to me, which is I'm, I'm sure to you, I was really upset by the fucking score. upset by i was upset <laughs> by why so much harmonica and springs it's like was bro give me a boy it was immediate though and it was like immediate and egregious like in the first three minutes just aggressive fucking spring aggressive banjo i was like bro Oh, I was like, man, this fucking slaps. That shit did slap. That shit was a banger. It slapped my yeah. fucking nerves is what it did. And maybe it's because I'm around kindergarten. It maybe. It, it, do you also, is it also like, did the, the spring-themed level of Sonic the Hedgehog like traumatize you as a youth? No, no. This was like so much more than any of that. Like, it was like Fred Penner's place, but like... So much more spring, bro. I was like, down on the farm vibes. Boing, boing, boing. It was like, bro, got, go back and listen to it. I don't know, maybe I was just. No, no, it's there. I noticed it. I it's there. It was too much it. cowbell, dog. Like, it was not, not enough right. cowbell. More cowbell. Too much goddamn spring. It was like a 21 Boing salute. It was like the 21 Boing salute episode in that shit. It was like, bro, like, all right, guys. Bludgeon me with that cowbell. One of my friends who does the press screeners has started listening to the podcast, and he recently got to the 21 Boing salute episode, and he was like, bruh, respectfully, what the fuck? And I was like... <laughs> I'm sorry. We blew by a 21 number in that episode. Sometimes you gotta just boing. Shit. Well, this shattered whatever record you had going on on that, because that shit was just boing, boing. I was like, bro, all right, man. It was like, and 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 so much aggressive uh, harmonica to where it was just like, this is, if this, the movie is going to be this, I'm going to be <laughs> I am not going to make it. <laughs> it was only twice though. I only called no. it. it was at like the very beginning. It's a lot. Anytime <laughs> they're on a horse and nobody's talking, 
like dog i I really just feel like you were doing the the venga bus music for a second it kind of was it was like bro i was sitting there like because i watched the whole thing at work via youtube and um it was just like very fucking oh and i'll be agitated i'm at work i'm just you know and it's oh, yeah. just already grating on my nerves. So and then um, the boings getting to then you. Then the boings came. I was like, bro, it's a lot of boing in this shit, bro. <laughs> it's a whole lot of boing in this shit. Go, man. Look, anytime nobody's talking, they just like, boing, 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 boing. like people are like having like soft, intimate conversation, and they just like, boing, 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 boing. like a- I, I kind of liked it, but now I feel very self conscious about that. Uh, I, I love like it. what no, you like. I still love it. Like what I you still like. Love it. And for me, that shit was too much, and I was like, to the point I was looking up the, um, I ended up looking up the composer. <laughs> <laughs> just like, who did this to me dog? one of the the oh, great jazz one of the jazz greats of a generation i uh because i kind of th- it, it had like a lot of sanford and son vibe to it for me and then hilarious um so i was like did quincy jones do this shit like quincy you know because quincy be on that stuff sometimes but um uh, I forgot who it was that ended up doing it. Um, it's like fucking genius, <laughs> genius black man. A, a uh, I believe it is literally one of the the great jazz musicians of the day. And you know, black people have been in jazz, Eric. So you know, watch your step now. <sighs> well, man, well, that you just say that about everything, bro. I feel like I can't weigh in on this in any sort of meaningful way. Um. No, just back me up, cat. Just back me. Up. You just say that black people invented jazz because that's the truth. Uh, Benny Carter. Benny Carter was yeah. the composer, and uh, yeah, the fucking like, legend, Benny. <sighs> Benny, dog. Benny the Butcher Carter. Benny, if you're still alive, dog. I just <laughs> need a whole thing for you. Much respect, but damn, man. <laughs> just hit us up and let us know if you was on that stuff when you was slapping them boing so much anyway we spent too much time i think boing. he's playing a canjo actually which is a a popular instrument in the west hey it was a popular instrument in the west and it still is <laughs> he broke all of them making this damn soundtrack so he had to buy so many of them yeah the, the canjo went extinct that day it you know um, something else that kind of threw me off a young ruby d young ruby d <laughs> that was like oh shit yes look at mother sister when she was, was this her, like first movie or some shit look at mother sister when she was just sister sister you know what i'm saying like basically she was both tia and tamara maori simultaneously mm-hmm. yep that's a fact i loved her in this yeah I, I, but that's just because i just love ruby d yeah, yeah, how can you not? Yeah, I just love Ruby D anyway. For Western for Standard Fair, I think this was pretty solid. I was thoroughly entertained. I was at a point kind of early, it was kind of like, yeah, maybe kind of going through the motions a bit, but I think about kind of halfway through <laughs> Harry Belafonte and his fucking He got team. me, bro. He <laughs> charmed <laughs> the shit got, out of me. They, they okay, totally have did. y'all ever seen his episode of the Muppet Show? I'm because- sure. He is like the most authentically charismatic mm-hmm. man, like oh, yes. ever. He was and charming like, as hell. 
in the Muppet Show episode, there is he has a song at the end that is like, I, I have likened it. I'm not particularly religious, uh, which I'm sure will be shocking to the folks who listen. Mm. It, it it to me is as close to like a religious experience as I've had, but it is not necessarily because it is religious. It's because it's about connecting everybody through music mm-hmm. and like the importance of that. And yeah. like he's singing with a bunch of puppets, but it's still like that feeling exists in well, that. Well, Muppets space. have actually have souls, so that's what makes them better than puppets. There, right? No, I am aware that he is an alive puppet frog. Okay. He is not a dead. What do you mean? Frog. Yeah. <laughs> oh God, but. He's always had this ability to really like gather the attention of a whole room. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And I really think he is able to let that fly here. Yeah. He because his appearance like he is rotten teeth. You know what I mean? Like there's nothing about him like outwardly that makes you feel like, yo, we got to let this guy in. You just let him mm-hmm. talk and he just charms you. He like his his word choice like I typically hate like crooked preacher characters. Yeah. But like the the whole thing is like, no, wait a minute. Like he, he's so layered where it's like, yeah, he's a crooked preacher. Okay, fine. But then it's like, wait a minute. There's nothing that makes that baby face turn happen. So it's just like, no, he's just kind of a good dude. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is like, yeah, everybody's hands get dirty, but it's like, yeah, he's not he's not a terrible person, actually. The story on the hill about his dad, like that mm-hmm. that is what kind of mm-hmm. sucks you in. Like that was a great story. Mm-hmm. And just the way he tells it, and he's not like boisterous, he's not over animated. Mm-hmm. Like you're drawn into his quietness of that story. Where'd you get them cannons? Gunsmith in Fort Leavenworth. Where'd you get that funny Bible? Well at my inheritance. Before the war when I was a boy. My mama and me was sold to this here traveling preacher. And I'd fetch for him and take up collection. And when he got drunk, I'd haul him off to bed. He used to travel in these little towns preaching sin and hellfire. And when he got them gals full of the Holy Spirit, when they're ready to repent, he'd jiggle. Between whiles, he'd take my mama to bed. And I'd sleep out with the horse. By and by, about 16, he sent him to town for a jug of whiskey. And when I come back, my mama was gone. He sold her for a couple hundred dollars. He got drunk that night. And he said, uh, boy, put me to bed. So I lead that man into the tanning yard by the lion pit. And I put him to bed right there. I hold him on it with a seat of fence rail. There was no next to kin. So I got the cart, the horse, preacher clothes, and this funny Bible. Where you gonna find that money? I don't know. If it was me, I'd, I'd look for money where money's kept. Like in a bank. Or an express office. We gonna just ride in sometime, walk in the bank and just take it up. That's right, brother. And I know just the place. You see the the scared child yeah. there. You see, you see like every step of grief that that little boy went through. Mm-hmm. in deciding to do what he had to do yeah the subtlety in that acting i think is really beautiful especially considering that like generally speaking harry Belafonte is the music guy mm-hmm. 
you yeah. know, I don't yeah. know. He's he has like 60 titles on IMDb, but like you think of him as the music guy when he was on the Muppet show, he was the music guy. Deo. He- I just like the little like intro that he kind of gives himself of the, you know, of the high and low order. You know what I mean? Like there's that <laughs> that dichotomy of like, yeah, no, I'm doing you know, I say I'm out here doing one thing. Um, you know, I need money. But then, like, when we meet him, though, he's minding his own business. Like, what are you doing out here in the desert putting on my drawers? Putting on my drawers, dog. (laughs) Like, you are stealing my horse. You don't ask me questions, fam. Like, you are the one doing me wrong right now. Aesthetically, the way we see this guy, we're supposed to kind of or like normally people would see somebody again with rotten teeth and, you know, the outward presence of uh, an Eastman if you will, a con man kind of, the preacher kind of, um, and think like, you know, well, you know, maybe we're supposed to think he deserves it because we know Buck, you know what I'm saying? At this point in time, we know that he's supposed to be the good man and he's just doing what he's got to do. He's stealing this man's horse because he kind of has to or whatever. Um, I think they did like a great job of making the two of them making it so that like neither of them are like super innocent, but also like that they are good guys, you know, like these are the guys we should be rooting for. They feel very equal very. to the point where it kind of makes sense why they repel each other. Mm-hmm. Like they're yeah. so, I think they so remind each other of the other one. He calls him a con man after having stolen his horse. Yes. <laughs> yes. Like, you got some nerve. But I think that's just kind of it, right? Mm-hmm. Is that they see so much of themselves in the other one. Yeah. They, they can't yeah. be nice to each other. Mm. You know, it's like the two ends of a magnet that are the same. They're going to bounce. Or two women. You know what I mean? Just any two women. <laughs> I'm joking. But... What a derail. What a derail. Jesus Christ. I'm sorry. I'm submitting guys. my two weeks notice from the podcast. I'm sorry. I, I quit. I surrender. There are some derails that are, you know, kind of naturalistic. And then, then there are derails that are like that. Like, <laughs> I, I'm sorry, guys. I don't feel, I don't really feel that way. I know I keep like derailing to, to the Muppets, but they make me happy. The Harry Belafonte Muppet Show episode is spectacular. Harry Belafonte actually performed at jim henson's funeral and did a nine minute version of the song from the muppet show because apparently it was jim's favorite thing he had ever been involved with that's crazy yeah no he seems like a really good dude yeah shout out to the legends man i don't know why jay-z dished you he was wilding yeah i mean and jay-z's wilding overall but that's a different podcast for a different day (laughs) jay-z thinks he's young enough to make these dumb mistakes but whatever and smart but that's that's a that's another conversation for another yeah 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 yeah. 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 oh we've done better shut up fucking chill but uh but yeah so (laughs) um Soft, soft shoe Carter. Soft shoe Carter ass. <laughs> the fucking S dot soft shoes. <laughs> you can dance in these balls. I just want to say, be, oh, I'm sorry, because I do have the line walk soft in my town written down by the. Oh, show. that was a hard body. I line. love that bar. No. That was, <laughs> that was hard. So, too bad he, uh, you know. He didn't have the guns to make it stick, but uh, you know that's what happens to uh, 
cool white dudes in these older films, you know. Yo, <laughs> yo, oh, yo, I low key thought the main guy in the posse was Grandpa Joe from Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, I'm like for a while. And I was like, that's funny. I'm not sure he wasn't. He's not. I did okay. check. I was like, uh, huge, huge, funny. huge yeah. if true. Grandpa Joe, crazy racist. That would have been so fucking clutch. I wish it was actually true now. Jesus That's Christ. That's hilarious. Just the timeline overall was kind of stressful. Like when, when the natives give them yeah. five days, they're like, five you know, days, you got yeah. five days to cross. And um, it, it felt like three. And, and you know, as I got into it, I was like, man, this, this shit's got stakes, bro. Like, yeah, it is. Shit is mattering in this movie because I guess kind of justified Deshay and the, the Night Riders. Like it legitimized them because them killing people and like actually being like such a serious threat made those five yeah. days feel like every single hour in that that timeline mattered. And so it's just like they just kept closing in and closing. It's like, dog, I'm kind of stressed out right now like watching this but well one thing yeah. that i noticed is it took them like a half day plus to get back to them yeah yeah and it's like oh shit like five yeah. days is not five days wasn't shit yeah. yeah yeah but also i totally understand the the native folks and we we're never given a tribe name which is why i'm referring to them as native folks yeah so- same for, for those of you at home, I promise I'm trying to be sensitive, but I wasn't given a lot to work with here, and I'm trying to not use othering language. So uh, if anyone is feeling particularly inspired and wants to explain to me why what I'm doing is okay or not okay, I would absolutely love to read it. Please do. But the Native folks are also very protective of their resources because mm-hmm. that's all they've been left with, really. Yeah. No guns. Can't do it. Like, Yeah. Only one buffalo, two oh, if you buffalo. absolutely must. Yeah, yeah. You you feel you feel the tension, like you do feel the stakes of everything and the decisions that they have to make or not have to make. It all feels super tangible. But I also feel like because Sydney Potier comes in with respect for them, get on your get off your horse. They're not villains. It would mm-hmm. be so easy for them to villainize them. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. They come to them as like, we are also just a group trying to get by. Yes. And again, I think he does a really good job with this equal kind of. So the two preacher, the preacher and, and Buck are equal in a lot of ways. And they repel each other in a lot of ways. The black folks and the native tribe are both removed from their lands and are trying to just get by and in a lot of ways they have similar struggles you know and so those similarities do a really good job of making that like repellentness that they feel against each other feel really tangible but also Mm -hmm. very understandable yeah definitely yeah yeah the tribal chief is just kind of like you know we're not trying to be dicks here like but they were very much about business as well, mm-hmm. where it was just like, no, we have to do this for the preservation of what we have. You know, it's just like um, no guns because we absolutely need them. 
you know, sometimes and, and sometimes, you know, when somebody says that they need something from you and you can't give it, you should not give it like you, you can't, you know, so that that's a lesson for all of us to who uh, dig too deep sometimes. And he's just like, no, I can't. No, you can have this. You can have this. Can't have that. Those boundaries there. But also the added, do you remember what happened the last time a large group descended on us with guns? Mm -hmm. That's a very valid fear. Yeah. You know, because I do feel like probably especially at that time in history, because that's not too far from the the bicentennial, the weird nationalism that people felt that they still feel, but like, oh, well, the the union was good, actually, and none of them were racist and everything was fine. Like, totally Mm. does not acknowledge that history. Yeah. And in a lot of ways, I think this film is trying to acknowledge that, like, the Civil War was dumb bullshit and nobody really (laughs) saw Mm -hmm. people of color as people. It's just yeah. some people saw them as slightly more people than others. Yeah. For enslaved black folks, that's for native folks. Like across the board, no one came out of that looking good. And that is worth considering because, you know, for fuck's sake, Disney tried to open a theme park at one time trying to explain American history. Oof. And it's like, all right, so is Mickey Confederate or Union? And how does Mickey <laughs> feel about the Trail of oh Tears? <laughs> and. Oh my god. Oh boy. I just love keeping people enslaved. Do you think Mickey has like a sensitive rebuttal for the Iraq war? Like where are we at with that? Like It's about preserving the way of life. <laughs> How does Mickey feel about the Iranian hostage crisis? Fuck him. <laughs> I think Argo would have been a great movie, huh? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> we didn't know Agent Orange was hazardous when we dropped it, huh? <laughs> Those goddamn gooks! Sorry about your balls, huh? <laughs> Mickey! Oh, I can't call them superheads! Oh, huh? Jesus Christ. <laughs> right. So, like, but so, uh, several, several boardroom executives and members of government who had to zone this thought it was a good idea. And I feel like this movie is actually trying to tackle some of some of the nuance that the legacy of the Civil War left behind. I'm telling you, this CRT is a bad idea. (laughs) Marcus, I'm tendering my two-week resignation to the podcast. But I can see, I can definitely see Mickey saying uh, CRT is, you know, a bit iffy in the (laughs) line. I can see Mickey saying that. We're going to make white people feel bad about being white? Come on. No, Mickey, we're just going to tell the truth. That's all. A hit dog going to holler. Mickey, are you going to allow your employees Juneteenth off, Mickey? Or uh, All right. Ba- based on mounting public pressure, huh? Half day. <laughs> no holiday pay. Oh, last thing I need is a bunch of black folks laying down in front of Disney World. No, thank you, huh? If we really wanted to get into it, I could do a really long and complex monologue about how I feel that Disney is pricing out black families while increasingly paying lip service to them in the parks and how upset that makes me as a person and how I'm going to be a lot more like cognizant of choosing whether or not I'm going to spend money with them in the future. Yeah, you were there not too long ago. I I haven't 
I don't know. I, last time I went, I just saw a bunch of sunburn folks. So I didn't, I don't think I really noticed that. One of the things that I think has been really, well, I, I promise I'll keep this very quick, but one of the things oh, that no, I go, go as long as you want, please. I thought was really interesting is that they are centering a lot of narratives of black folks in the park, whether that's Tiana, whether that is, you know, kind of centering, like they have black Santas this year, which is something that like, they didn't announce or anything. They just kind of did while simultaneously raising prices, making it incredibly difficult for school groups to go and like making it really challenging to, for folks who are not like affluent with a fuckload of disposable income Mm -hmm. to go while simultaneously like centering uh the like cast of the lion king musical and centering tiana and having new characters from polynesian islands and different folks of color Mm. and really trying to center those narratives while also pricing a lot of those people out Mm. yeah you guys like soul well too bad watch it on disney plus we're so happy you enjoyed it that cool interactive experience though you can't afford it i even kind of felt that as like I'm not poor by any stretch of the imagination, but like as a not like actively, actively rich person, mm-hmm. yeah. I felt that. <clears throat> and so I think it's just really interesting that they're choosing to center inclusion right now while yeah. being financially very exclusive. And I'm not saying it's impossible for for lower income families or families from kind of challenging or different financial backgrounds to afford a trip, but it's a lot harder than it used to be. Yeah. I went before you were born, honestly. And um, <laughs> I uh, I remember like the, the price that we were quoted for. Um, well, just as a like a student going with my class in the eighth grade and um, I didn't even ask my mother for it. I was just like, you know what? I'm not even gonna do it. Cause she was saving up for a house and mm-hmm. all this other stuff. And, um, you know, it was, we, I could, I, I would look back on that and say that I was actively poor at the time. And, um, just yeah. like, yeah, no, this is, this is not, I could wish yeah. upon a star and this isn't going to happen. And, um, you know, she found out about the trip and was like, you, you have to go. Yeah. So, no, they, they, they made shit shake. And, and, you know, part of me is like, I can't because poverty is, it really weighs on your soul. And just like thinking, like, just kind of having that guilt, like knowing that I deserved a trip to Disney, but also feeling guilty about taking anything out of that budget mm-hmm. to go was just like, you know, and just like the bare minimum of spending money and all that, just being like, yeah, no, I no, no here, take this $20 bill back because we have to buy a house, you know, it's just like, and also yeah. that's a lot to have on the, like to have a child be cognizant of. Yeah. But you kind of have to be as a yeah, poor no. child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh yeah and i'm aware that disney is a company and like their whole Mm. thing is to make money but i am hoping that due to the pandemic and shit they're just really trying to to keep their shit shaking right now yeah and that hopefully when things are more normal 
it would still be expensive and a stretch, but not an impossible stretch. I don't know if I don't know if companies are going to, you know, because now they're being forced to, like, give people a livable wage. I don't know if they'll bring prices back down to what they used to be to where the oh, the world has changed forever. We can't do it. We- I'll be interested to see in the case of Disney, though, because I'm really like the folks that go every five years, mm-hmm. I think are they're about to lose them. And I don't know if they're going to realize until five years into that yeah. cycle how bad that's going to hurt them. Rich folks are very slow on the uptake. Companies and corporations are very slow on the uptake. So, yeah, probably. As, as someone who works uh, for a financial institution, I can comfortably say that prices for stuff, unfortunately, they're not going to go down anytime soon. Nope. Uh, rates for saving, they're not going to increase anytime soon, um, which it's <laughs> like you would have expected that. Uh, when the pandemic started and, you know, people were actively, you know, losing jobs, uh, you mm-hmm. know, and the economy kind of tanked, you would suspect that prices would have stabilized to kind of mitigate, you know, oh. and to encourage people spending. Like if, if prices hadn't increased that and you were sending out them stimmies that would have drove people to spend. But what happened was because of the stimmies being put out, companies just assume that well people got the stimmy now they can just spend it with us like, bro it's and then the price is never dog it is a g yeah. why do y'all yeah. think that this is disposable income dog like you know people were getting that thousand dollars to live to fight another day um and again yeah. that's just how out of touch again we're talking about is just there's this huge disconnect but something that is imminently in touch the harder they fall. Hey. Live from an undisclosed location in a basement in New York City, it's me, Crank, ruler, well, mayor of Dimension X and the producer of the hottest new pod in that dimension or this one, The Shredhead Pod, starring the Blasian Batty, aka Google Chrome Dome, aka Ado Nobu Nigga. A.K.A. my best friend, Oroku Saki, A.K.A. the Shredder. And we put aside our differences with the Ninja Turtles to be your weekly source of hot takes, sports and entertainment news. Stay all the way and hear who Saki has named as his Cretan of the Week and find something valuable in the Shred Commendations. So we'll see you on Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever your pods are casts. The Shredhead Pod is a member of a hyphen podcast group. You talk about the soundtrack uh, from Buck and the Preacher. Boing, 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 boing. <laughs> I love the soundtrack in the holiday fall. I did love it so so much. much. Flaming at the air, fire off the bone All are from a top of a mountain and cry Tell them say my love will never die Where do we go? Oh, along and winding road The louder they roar The harder that they fall Send for the money in Bible One of my few complaints about like Lovecraft Country was that the music 
that they picked was taking me out of the time. And for some reason, this fit just like, just like Rick Ross did with um, 100 coffins, 100 black coffins and uh, Django. Yeah, Django. For some reason, yeah. that shit went because it, it kind of, at least it had a sound that harkened back to that without being cheesy. I wonder yeah. if it's because of some of the like lyrical tonal similarities. Like a lot of the, the lyrics in yeah. this case was the kind of stuff that I was looking at where it was like, oh, it's kind of me against them or my my group mm-hmm. against them. And that was often very tonally consistent with what was happening. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a lot of similar sounds. So so it'll be like a train whistle mm-hmm. or you know, gun stomping, guns gunfire. It'll be hands clapping. It'll be, you know, uh, yeah, that kind of stuff. So that kind of gives it that same feeling. Whereas, you know, like I said, the aforementioned uh, Lovecraft Country was just flat out trap music as they're going into yeah. like, you know what I mean, it was like parts where I was just like, wait, what? And it was just like, yeah, it just kind of took me out of it. Same as um, uh, has anybody ever watched Warrior on HBO Max? Uh-huh. It's the um, it's about kind of like the same time period dealing with the Chinese and uh, San Francisco. It's got again it's this Wild West kind of feel where it's like the Tongs or the 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 Chinese gangs back in the day at war with each other, but then they're at war with like the Irish labor groups and it's just like all this other stuff going on, but. Like at the end of every episode, it just breaks into like this Chinese drill music. And it's just like, okay, it's fine because it's at the end of the episode. But again, like we were talking about music being a tie in or being something to like kind of help you stay glued to what's happening on screen. It is kind of like off putting. But it can absolutely break immersion if done poorly. I'm very certain this is the first Western to have Caribbean music like this. And for the director, James Samuel being from England, I feel like if this was an American Black director, uh, you probably aren't going to get these kind of musical choices, but they all still work. Like, I never knew I needed Barrington Levy scatting in a Western until I watched this movie, and it absolutely was great. I did. No. So initially, uh, <laughs> initially, no, I was like, this reminds me a little bit of Samurai Champloo, which mm-hmm. is the other anime by the Cowboy Bebop person. Mm-hmm. But instead of a space Western, it is a like a samurai story. A hip hop samurai story a hip-hop near, samurai without story. breaking into rhymes and saying yo 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 right and it doesn't break immersion really yeah except when it's specifically supposed to yes and i feel like that requires like a very intense understanding of tone and like meta text yeah shout out to nujabes rest in peace but uh yeah nujabes put his ankles in that soundtrack because it does man it just has like this that feel like when they're walking across fields and shit, it's just like the mellow of it all. It's like not too aggressive until it needs to get aggressive. Like one guy flat out has like a, 
wild breakdance style of um, martial arts. Uh, and, and people are listening to this who know anything about Samurai Champloo are like yelling at me. But uh, Mugen, he just has like this really wild kind of it just it just works. It, you can't like if you break up every part of it, it doesn't it shouldn't work on paper, but then you put it all together and it really, really works just like it did in this. Um, we're talking about Peter Tosh, who also had a film, The Harder They Fall, whereas it's like kind of, I think, was the inspiration for that, because there are parts of Jamaica that are very much the Wild West. Yes, so, yes. Um, you know, like that country rural part where it's just like jamaica that we see in the commercials for you know the the resorts Sandals. and then there's jamaica you know what i mean like we're you know what i mean like where it goes down so it's like boom wire. you know what i'm saying yeah i also one of the things that i thought was really uh, special about this movie was the color palette and how it was used mm-hmm. to tell stories of of places and also of affluence and also how that tied in musically yeah so I loved that the white town was all whitewashed. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was my favorite and, part. That shit was hilarious. I was like, dog, what are y'all doing here? And and the the subtitles were a different color. Yes. That, yeah. But also all of the music, some of it was very, like, I think some of it was orchestral or piano versions mm-hmm. of the hip hop songs used in other parts of the movie. Yes. Which is such a, I would say, such a touch that no one would notice except the three of us noticed it. Like, that's such a, it, it, <laughs> mm-hmm. if you didn't do it, people wouldn't notice it wasn't there, if that makes sense. Right. Like, someone yeah. did that for the love of the game and for the love of storytelling <laughs> and completing that narrative in that way. It's very easy to overdo it. And then that was just another part that they added to it that, like, added to it and didn't yeah. overdo it. And then, but also the town that Nat Love is living in, that Mary, uh, stagecoach Mary is, you know, it's not colorful like the rest of their their towns, like like Redwood. And so, and all the people in Redwood are wearing much nicer fabrics Mm -hmm. and and brighter colors and everything is brocade, not just plain their art is like artier Mm -hmm. like everything about them is is kind of elevated and those jewel box colors are just oh because it's supposed to be like black shangri-la for that for that time period like what he was trying to do you know was supposed to be you know redwood is supposed to be this safe haven or whatever and he just had to be a very bad man to make it happen because that's just how shit shook back then or in those times. And the idea that yeah. he literally murdered somebody and just went, you are an enemy of our progress. Yeah. And that was the only, <laughs> and everyone around him was just like, yep. Shit. And then it was just like, hey sure guys, is. Hey, hey guys, I've come here to be 10 times worse than that guy to you, but we're going to make it happen. You know, um, so. <laughs> 10 times worse than that guy. But for a good reason. For a good reason. Uh, also, and that that makes it worse. Yeah, like, it totally yeah, makes yeah, it yeah, worse. yeah, yeah. Can Can I be honest though? And and this is a spoiler, so I don't know if we should put this at the end. Spoilers. All right, oh, they've been warned. Man. They've been warned. It's you should have watched it by now anyway. The twist quotes 
really took me out of it. Well, you mean the brother reveal? Yeah. No, I thought it was kind of hard body. I thought it worked. Yeah. I'm a guy, I hate brother reveals. I hate, you know, evil twin reveals. I don't. You hate movies with dads. What? See, cat. What is that? We talk about good derails cat and we talked about bad derails cat. Now you both have had bad derails. I don't know what a dad is, so don't worry about it. And you've officially qualified for the bad derail cat. So, well, he's still got two in. I don't think the twist was supposed to be the most important part. You know what I mean? Like, it was the twist was to reveal why he didn't Mm. murder him off rip. You know what I mean? Like, or why he didn't. Why even at the very end, it was like, you know, because, you know, Buck is this badass who probably should have been out there fighting in the streets, you know. Mm-hmm. But when you look at that last go, he does not really get his hands dirty. He just sits there and waits and he waits on love. And he's just like, you know, all right, well, here's the here's the whole rundown. I fully expect you to go ahead and take me out because, it's you know, it's just like. I can't do it to you. So you do it. You finish me because I can't, I couldn't back then. I can't right now. And everybody in this movie, like all of our main characters have blood on their hands. Like none of them yeah. are like objectively good people. We're just supposed to like, they're charming and we're supposed to kind of like them, mm-hmm. but you know, like nobody's innocent. So when they all, you know, when anybody is taken out, it's, you know, that's the game. The game is the game, baby. You know, so it's like when we get there, it's like pretty much an explanation of why he couldn't do the deed to him. But it was also really like they all had very vulnerable moments when their comrades died. Yeah. Yeah. And I really valued that. Yeah, it was cool, man. Like, yeah, it was just it was cool as hell because I don't like even I mean, Lakeith Stansfield is a shitty guy in this movie, but he did a really uh, great job, I thought. Yeah, he. I think we need to kind of have, not in this conversation, but I think overall, I think we need to have a conversation about Lakeith. He may be Jared Leto in yeah. you know, Dark Skin, which... <laughs> he <laughs> takes some big swings. Yeah, which I'll I'll just say that I think that Lakeith Stansfield takes really big swings, but this character was so like kind of grounded and he didn't need to do anything yeah. outlandish. Yeah, it doesn't work in the Fred Hampton movie, but it works in this movie because he like you're right. Like they're asking them to do they're asking them to stay on like an eight. This movie. Yeah. And, he's, and he he's like in an eight point five at a nine, but he's within his range. So. My name is Cherokee Bill. Now let it be known that I don't particularly enjoy violence. That being said, you are currently in company of extremely violent individuals. So, don't do no stupid shit, all right? Get off this train now, you motherless scum. You must be the hero. Great spirit, why is there always one? You're rude. I might actually enjoy inflicting violence on you. But who knows? Maybe you'll win. Let's see. 
my point? Now, step aside so that we may conclude our business here without further ado. Yeah, they told him to be there at 7.45, knowing that he would show up at 8.30. You know, so yeah. it was just like, you know, Cherokee Bill at the end kind of just like being revealed as like not a man of honor. And it's like, I don't give a fuck about honor. Like, <laughs> you know what's what are we also about? great about Lakeith Sandfield? Does not have a controversies tab on Wikipedia. I hate that that's even a thing I need to bring up, but I know <laughs> he's a bit flat earthish. Didn't yeah. he do an anti-vaccine thing at one point and then deleted it immediately after? I'm pretty he sure. Might also be anti-Semitic, which is like. Uh, Oof. Hold on, hold on. We, we just named three things that we're pretty sure this bad. <laughs> so he just has weirdo energy, like when he talks. Yes, very much. I so. think he can act, but can I read you guys my favorite review of this uh movie on, on Letterboxd? By all means. I'm not gonna give this person's name because I think this review is low-key a little homophobic. I hope this doesn't sound gay or anything, but God really oh, took his that? time. <laughs> that doesn't sound homophobic. Okay, or... well, now I didn't finish it, so it sounds even worse. I hope this doesn't sound gay or anything, but God really took his time when he made Jonathan Majors. True. Come on, bro. You, That's you not gay at all. He's a beautiful man. Come on, man. Like You, like, you can say that just be secure in yourself, dog. First one, that is definitely the first of all point. Be secure in yourself. The second of all, no one, no one asked you to come around talking about hard body Jonathan Majors. You just He's wanted to throw man. that bad boy out there. <laughs> He's a sexy man. You see his body, and your body reacts in some way, shape, or form. Doesn't I, I fully looked at him and was like, "Yeah, God did take his time. He did." Good job. He did. Them strong Good job, features. Guys. Mm, strong features. Mm. Please, please continue. Because this is about to get weird. About to? Oh, man. I think we blew by <laughs> weird a few minutes ago. Hey, a few hours ago. But, like, I mean, like, it's okay if you like the look at Jonathan Majors, dude. Like, it's totally fine. The human body looks sweet as fuck when it's like, when it looks like his. Hey, homie. I mean, oh, like, it's. It's it's okay. It's all right. It's okay, it it's okay if you want to have sex with Jonathan Majors. It's also okay if you think he looks hot and you don't want to have sex with him. Both of those are valid, and neither of those make you gay. I'm in the latter, bro. I, I, I really think he's a good-looking man. I don't want to bone him, but he's he's, he's a good-looking guy. My wife, my wife thinks he's sexy. I, I agree. I'm inclined to agree. He's got good taste. Also, I'm like looking at his, he's got some really, really solid credits under his belt, but not a ton of them. In the last man in San, last black man in San Francisco, I knew this guy. I was hoping, actually, yeah, let me bring it back. I was hoping his career would take off because he has a lot of dramatic chops. He got me, and that's chops, his first boy. movie. And that movie, to be very honest, that movie is it's a solid movie. It's a little, a little bit boring, but it's a solid movie. Shout out to um Tanisha Anderson. She was in that shit. She was cool. But that movie was kind of it was it was a it was like a B plus C minus movie. But his performance in the movie is like a A performance in that yeah. movie. 
And I was hoping that he would get a chance to shine. What his career is becoming, I'm super proud of this guy. Like he he's doing the fucking shit, and I'm really yeah, happy. Yeah, he that. the five bloods was the first time I saw him, and I was like, oh, okay, I'm here for this. I still feel that Delroy Lindo was fucking robbed for not getting a oh, Oscar yeah. nomination for the five bloods. So like, yeah. hey, the Oscars, uh, nominate him for this. Nominate him as Bass Reeves, the badass fucking boogeyman of criminals. But he was <laughs> really so solid. In dope. He is my favorite yeah, character good. in the film. When he comes into that bar and tells him, y'all know what I do. I was like, bitch, tell him. <laughs> tell him, Bass Reeves, you cop. The best cop of all time. Fucking I cop. Like the only good he one. really quietly was like, please don't rob the bank. Right. Like, <laughs> he, As an I officer feel, of the law, I, just, I cannot I just, endorse this. Yeah, I feel like he's like, I have to get it out that he should not rob the bank. And then he's like, clop. but now that we're making a plan, right? I can't help, but also let me help. Listen, y'all know what I do. I was like, woo! Right. And, and I don't know, man. <laughs> give the man a job. I don't fucking. Uh, I mean, he's going to be in uh, Blade, so... He's so fucking good. I mean, Cat knows how I feel about, you know, beautiful actors going to the fucking Disney fucking conglomerate. Fuck the motherfuckers. It was nice to know you, Florence Pugh. They got Pugh. They got Mahershala. They got Delroy. These motherfuckers are picking everybody. They got Jonathan Majors. They do. Jonathan fucking Majors, man. They got him. DC got Margot Robbie. They they locking all our stars up. <laughs> I mean, at least at least Margot Robbie is getting to do some things sometimes now. Like she's producing, she's uh, doing some really like she's trying. Oh my god! I feel like so DC beautiful. because they're in such shambles are actually letting people like spread their wings a little bit. Mm-hmm. Oh. Here, man, you can share some of this blame too. It's plenty to go around. Hilarious, Christ hilarious. We didn't think it was going to be that bad. Jesus. Y'all know that I am a Regina King stan. Oh, oh my God. Man. Come on, man. She could hit me with a horse and it's, I would thank her. That What was that accent she was using, though? That had to be some like St. Louis type shit, I, man. Yeah, I was going to say like almost like Baltimore and just like, <laughs> just like there were like words that she like closed off at the end. And I'm like, okay, so this is something that she's doing on purpose. Ghastly Gertrude Smith. I prefer treacherous true to myself, but I'll take it. I directed One Night in Miami right before this in New Orleans. And there's something about New Orleans, that Louisiana dialect that I just love. I love. I can speak to someone from New Orleans all day. Mm-hmm. And so I, in speaking to James, we kind of felt like Trudy was this nomad. She had traveled so much of the country. And, and, and when you do travel the country and spend time in different places, just as human beings, we tend to pick up things, whether it's mannerisms or the way you speak. Uh, you know, like if you even look at the way Madonna used to speak to the way Madonna sounds now, it's kind of changed a bit. And I believe a lot of that is just her experiences, her travels, you know, where she's gone. So I kind of infused that into Trudy and the inspiration was uh, New Orleans. If you fail to comply, you and everything you love will burn. 
I felt like it was New Orleans, but then I, I wanted to do a little bit of what if she had come across um, West Indians somewhere along the way. You know, she definitely had come across some French along the way in her travels, you know? So I, I just felt like it was an amalgamation of a lot of different dialects. And once it lands in Trudy, you, it would be hard to tell. Okay, but can I just appreciate like a costuming note in this movie? Absolutely. That whenever she was gonna be riding and needed her hat to fit tighter, they put the knot, like she had a scarf with a knot mm -hmm. on it so the hat would fit snugger. And when they knew she was gonna be taking it off and on often, she didn't have the scarf. Like somebody had to think about that practically and go, wait, 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 we gotta add this. Oh, and they thought about all of this shits. Did we know if they if they were the ones riding the horses though? Jonathan Majors, yes. Uh, actually, no. I think every I think every person. Obviously, there's probably some like faster riding. Um, yeah, yeah, and like stunt riding and all that. Like I'm talking about. Yeah. yeah, there are parts where because that probably just came out of necessity. Like this. That's how yeah, I think everyone rode at least once. Can we also shout out to Zazie Beats, please? Zazie Beats, man. Mm -hmm. Are we going to get into the controversy? Uh, she is controversy? Well, the controversy of the casting for this role, because she was seems to be like the only person that anybody had an issue with because of skin tone and um, weight and all that. I don't think it's necessarily because she's light-skinned. I think her hair is like not of this era like so like, i can see i mean it's, you talk well cat talking about things that took her out the movie that took me out the movie a little bit i can admit this movie said like this is not these are real people but this is not a true story and that to me gave me a pass for a lot of things like little yeah. incongruous bits like that it kind yeah. of reminded me of the beginning of uh, Jean Cocteau's La Belle at La Bette, where he was like, some of these things don't make sense because this is like a story born of a child's imagination. So shut up and move on. <laughs> and that little intro kind of had similar energy to me. All right. And to me, like as there is kind of Afrofuturism, there is also a Afrohistoricism movement that is starting in film. And I can't speak intelligently on this as, as a glow-in-the-dark white woman. But I can, you know, notice the trend in literature and film. And I'm sure. just wondering if that is kind of part of that subheading, I guess. Uh, I mean, I, I'm just speaking to the ridiculousness of it all, because when we look at pictures of Cherokee Bill, he's light bright. And anybody else like everybody's kind of miscast if we're going to be if we're being honest, like the only thing, the only body, the only person who kind of looks like their character is is uh, Delroy Lindo as Bass Reeves with that messy mustache. But hilarious hilarious mustache i'll definitely do the concession you know me and eric uh we are not would we not described as dark skin no if the, our dark skin brothers and sisters feel uh upset by that casting we acknowledge that and we accept their opinions on that if any listeners would be interested in in engaging with us further about hairstyles costuming pieces that felt authentic or not I would definitely be interested to hear a little bit more about that. And I'd what be definitely interested to fight you on the street, my nigga. Whatever you got to say, we could do that. You know what I'm saying? Handle it like some cheese. You know? Or that. We talked about hard body derails tonight. We talked about some hard body derails other than Jonathan Major's hard body. But, you know, 
sexy man, dog. I do not mean to ask in a way that should imply that like, oh, people of color have to explain themselves to white people. It's just a genuine curiosity from did you take this movie at face value as like a straight Western or did it have some kind of almost fantastical elements between the music and the costuming? I think as more information came about, I think people kind of simmered down like, ah, I guess. Yeah, like even beyond Zazie Beats, I'll admit there's there's definitely women who have none of that time hairstyles. Like mm-hmm. so many, like these women hairs are are laid in this fucking movie. So yeah. you know they don't they don't got the they don't got the juices and berries back in these days. So you know, no Murray's. They had they, they had the, 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 the pomade in this shit, bro. I thought uh, that she gave a really good performance, and I thought she had a lot of depth. It was good, and I feel like this is the first time in a, like a minute that I've seen her like feel feelings. Yeah, in like a big way. Probably the for me, it's probably like the second season of Atlanta. Probably second season of Atlanta. Yeah, yeah she had that. So the Drake episode. Oh, that, that shit was, was that shit was wild. That, that was, was a wild ass. <laughs> I hate I hate that Childish Gambino is is quasi like all lives matter, but I love that fucking show so fucking much, man. Jesus Christ! <laughs> you know it's true. Is, this is America for everything. Oh my god, dog! I started seeing so many people post "This is America Friday," and I was like, guys, shut the oh. fuck up. I'm tired. My boy, my boy, shout out to shout out to my man Calvin Calvin. He is the actual guy in the beginning of the This Is America video who gets shot in the back of the head. That's him. That's my boy Calvin. Holy shit. But he posted it. And I was like, Calvin, shut the fuck up, bro. This <laughs> ain't the time, dog. I love you and I'm proud of you. But dog, get this shit out of here, dog. I'm out here for this right now, man. This is America, dog. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> that shit, what song of the year? I also feel like uh, he is, I won't say known, but like kind of known for taking down any and all fan creations of his work. He's very litigious with that cease and desist yeah. action. And it's uh, kind of hard to encourage black people to thrive if they can't make art of artists they I enjoy. How many mixtapes have you made using other people's beats? Uh, Childish Gambino, my nigga, I love you. I, 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 like, I really appreciate your work. But, uh, yeah. Follow Cat at Cat underscore Chinetti on Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Follow Marcus at Showin Mad Love on Twitter and Letterboxd. Follow our Twitter page at Cat and Mark and read us at catseesmovies.tumblr.com and themarkrob.wordpress.com. This podcast is executive produced by Kellen Conley and Eric Greenley. Thanks for listening. We should do this again sometime. This is a hyphen podcast production. Are you not entertained? I'm not gonna lie. I'm kind of happy we had a chance to throw Childish Gambino under the bus. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, it took a while, and, and I like his music. I do. I, I love Atlanta. I love the album. Yeah, but I like his work. But he's a fucking weirdo. Like I don't know. Like he definitely got to hear both sides. Kanye in the red hat. Like so. 
got to hear both sides because, you know, that's what makes us people. Well, people are people and everybody's got their everybody's got their preconceived notions of like why why everything is the way it is. But, you know, when's the last time we really sat down and listened to one another? Now now that I'm rich, I uh, can kind of see where rich white people are coming from, but basically. <laughs> that was a great that was a great impersonation. Right? That was really rich. good. 